I thank you for my helper and my teacher who's going to help me to deliver this word on this morning. Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I thank you through this word, people will be healed, delivered, and set free. So, God, we honor you today, and we honor your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that there is a word for the people of God on today. And we want to see what God has to say dealing with this word. Go with me to St. John, the second chapter. And we want to hear from him on this morning. And remember, when we're reading the word of God, it is God speaking. So we want to honor God while his word is being read. We don't want any movement. We don't want any people walking around because we want to have respect for the word of God. Amen. And St. John, the second chapter, I am going to begin at verse 13. St. John, the second chapter, beginning at verse 13. And the word of God reads. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold ox and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remember that it was written, the zeal of thine house have eaten me up. I want to talk about the zeal of God has left the house of God. The zeal of God has left the house of God. And I'm telling you, bringing forth this message, it brings uh, tears to my eyes because as we look around now, in the house of God, I ain't talking about um, the uh, people that are sinners, people that have not come to know God. I'm talking about the people that know God. So Jesus went into the temple, and this temple was a temple where they went in to worship God. This is where they were coming together to worship, and as Jesus went into this temple, he saw them doing things outside of the will of God. And first thing that I want all of us to understand is Jesus had a love for the Father, and Jesus was out to do everything that the Father would have for him to do. Jesus did not go outside of the will of the Father, and I want to start there. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, that means that we're giving up the things of the world. That means that we're, you know, not um, grabbing hold to what the world has anymore, we always hear the phrase, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, and that's true. We can be in this world, but we don't have to do what the world does. So when you really come to Jesus, you come into him because you're seeing now that the world does not have what you need. And this world don't have this Zoe life. It does not have this abundant life. It does not have the life that God desires for us to have. And when we look at life, it's outside of material things. This life involves eternal life. It involves an everlasting life that even as we leave this earth, our life still goes on because we have everlasting life with him. So we have to recognize that when we come to Jesus, we come to him because we have heard some good news. I don't know about y'all, but 
When I hear good news, I mean everything in me begin to jump and begin to leap. My whole attitude begin to change and things around me begin to change because I heard some good news. And this good news that Jesus was going around telling people was about the kingdom of God. He was telling them what the kingdom had to offer to them. And see, when Jesus um, came down to earth, he left that throne, which was God in the flesh. He left the throne. He left what he was familiar with. He left what he had to live a life here on earth to save those that was lost through him. So he had to get rid of everything. He had to deny himself. And when he came down here, he walked among men. And as he walked among men, he was bringing the kingdom to them. Jesus was bringing to them what he had. And everything that he had, he wanted everybody to partake of it. So in order for them to partake of it, he had to proclaim it. He had to let them know what he had. I don't know about you, but when I have something and uh, go to a restaurant and it's good, I don't know about you, darling, and you sit there and every bite, you're sitting there chewing on it, and you're just sitting there moaning and and you're making noises like you're making love to your food. You know what I'm talking about? And you just sit there. Every little piece you put in your mouth, you're like, mm, I never tasted nothing like this before. This is why when you hear the good news that's being brought, I'm talking about the good news concerning the kingdom. And the one that bought this good news was Jesus Christ. And the only way that you can be a part of what he was bringing was to accept him. Is that not good news? And, and accepting him means that you didn't have to do nothing but believe in what he was saying unto you. And, you know, believe in this good news that he was going to be the one that died. He was going to be the one that um, would be um, raised from the dead so we can be justified, so we can be sanctified. Justified mean acquitted, just as we never sinned. Sanctified mean that we will be set apart, made holy outside of us. So Jesus came to give us that good news to tell us that there is a kingdom. There's a kingdom of heaven and there's a kingdom of darkness. And in this kingdom of heaven, you have everything that you need. So as Jesus brought this good news to people, it was up to them to accept this good news that he was bringing. So as Jesus walked and um, talked about the kingdom, he was passionate about where he was from. Have you ever been passionate about a certain thing and that passion brought a devotion, it brought an eagerness, it brought a desire to do what you were talking about. This is how Jesus was about the things of God. So as he presented these things, he didn't just present them as they were nothing. And this is what's happening in the house of God. We presenting anything like it's nothing. We're taking the word of God and we're presenting it like it doesn't mean, oh, y'all, I'm telling you, I'm up on this pulpit trying to uh, hold myself together because I'm seeing people just doing anything in the house of God any kind of way and saying it's okay, but it's not okay. Because when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's supposed to be a change that happens on the inside and people begin to see it on the outside and people begin to see your passion and your desire and your love for God and your devotion for God where you don't just settle for anything. No, that ain't good enough because I serve a mighty God. That's not how things supposed to be in the house of God. Not in this house. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. So see, once you hear this good news and you realize this world don't have what I need, this world can't give me joy even in the midst of my sorrow. 
This world can't give me things that I can hold on to forever. This world can't give me riches. This world can't give me life and life more abundant. It cannot heal me, deliver me, give me the peace that I need on the inside. Because I tried it, y'all, with money. I tried it with other things, but it just didn't work. I talked about yesterday. I tried it with 13 vehicles. It didn't never satisfy me. I was never content with what I had because I was not holding on to the real thing, the true thing, which was him. I want to hold on to material stuff. I want to hold on to people, and it didn't get me anywhere. The only thing it got me was depression. Only thing it got me was sorrow and pain. The only thing it got me was doing more of this to get this or doing more of that to do what people would have for me to do. And it was bringing me down instead of lifting me up. But when I met Jesus, y'all, when I truly met him, see, I got born again. But I still didn't have a relationship with him the way I need to because I still had things that I was holding on to that I wasn't ready to let go of. And this is what's happening in the house of God. But Jesus was so passionate about the things of God. He just didn't let anything go on around him that did not set right with what he believed. Or what he loved so much. So that's why when Jesus come into the temple and he saw that it was out of order. He knew this is not God's will. This is not God's plan for his house. And Jesus began to stand up. Y'all, I had so many titles that the Holy Spirit was giving me. The first one was, will the real Christians please stand up? Then I said, wait a minute, Lord, I hear that title. And then he took me again and saying, who are you? Meaning that people are portraying different personalities. Oh, he had me just wound up last night. And I'm like, Lord, which way do you want me to go? I was so full. And at the same time, I was so grieved because people are portraying things that they're really not still trying to be a part of what the world is doing. You save one minute and you're a sinner the next minute. You can't be saved and then turn back to sin. Come on. And everybody is saying it's okay. It's not okay. So we see that the church, which is not this building. We're the church. We're the people of God. We're the ones that said, I do to him. He was the groom. We were, who were we? The bride. And we stood before him. And we made a commitment to him when we said, I do. We made a commitment to say, I don't belong to this no more. I belong to you, God. Everything I am and everything I'm not, God is yours. I'm yours, God. And when you say that you are his, that's when you begin to renew your mind. To know who you really are now that you in him. And the closer you get to him, the farther you get away from who you used to be. Or what you used to do. Or how you used to act. And having all these different um, ways of doing and ways of making people think that you're holy. Or making people think that you're justified. That you've been set apart. You come in church on Sunday with hallelujah. You leave out of church on Monday. And you go back to the world's way. Playing numbers all on Facebook. Hear me, see me, be attached to me. Then you come in church and fall out and get up and start again. 
of my, the zeal of God has left the house of God. God said, I don't want no lukewarm. Either you're going to be hot or cold, or he said, I'm going to spoo you out. We're pulling these grace cards everywhere we go. I'm saved by grace. He paid for my past, my present, and my future sins. I'm all right, Evangelist Newton. I can mess up any time I want. And God's still going to love me. I can fornicate. I can commit adultery. I can lie. I can steal. He's still going to love me. That's true. But with you love him, you will realize what he done so you won't still be in the mess that you're in. See, the love that he gave us is an unconditional love. It's a love that don't change outside of you. That's what Jesus bought us. He bought us a love that says, no matter what you've done, or when you've done it, or who you've done it with, he said, I'm going to still love you. He said, because I commended my love for you. I demonstrated my love for you. Even while yet you were in your sin, I laid down my life for you. He said, that's love. I didn't wait on you to accept me. He said, I did it because I love you because I know what was best for you. He said, I didn't want you to die in your sin because the Bible said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. So he said, I'm giving you an opportunity to accept what I have already done. The only thing you got to do is come to me just as you are. He said, you don't have to change anything. He said, I'm just asking you to come just as you are. But when you come, know that I have everything that you need because outside of me, there is nothing, y'all. Outside of God, there is nothing. So when Jesus presented all of this, when he walked the earth and, and the thing that got me, everything he done was a devotion to God. It was with passion. It was with love. It was with concern. He didn't look at people like they were worthless. He didn't look at people like this is what you got to do to serve me. Jesus was just saying, you know, when the woman committed adultery, he let her know where are your accusers. I don't accuse you. Just go and sin no more. He didn't hold her guilty. He don't even hold you guilty for what you do or when you do it. He said, only thing I want you to realize is what you're doing is wrong, but I want you to go and don't do it no more. Because you love me so much, you ain't got time for that. Because the love that you have for me is because you know how much I love you. That's the only way we can love him is knowing his love. And the only way you can know his love is to be intimate with him. It's to spend time with him. It's to get to know him on a personal level, not based on what I'm saying today. You got to fall in love with Jesus. And knowing that falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that you ever done. Because actually, when I truly fell in love with Jesus, I could let go of my husband. Let me explain that to you. Women, y'all know what I mean. You get a man in your life and they all everything to you and you feel like you can't live without them. You can't do nothing without them. You feel like, oh, if they don't do this, then I'm not going to be this. But when I fell in love with Jesus, I forgot I had a husband because I had found a man that I can tell anything to. I had found a man that when I was upset, when I was down and when he didn't even realize that I could talk to Jesus about it. 
and he can hold me. He can console me. When, when I really fell in love with Jesus, I knew how to be a wife to my husband. See, when you fall in love with him, you begin to see yourself in marriage and you forget about looking at what the man do or what the man doesn't do. You do what the word of God tells you to do as being that wife in that marriage. See, we got so many people that think they know about marriage. But once you get into that marriage, you locked in, baby. That's the one that you say you're going to spend forever with. Ain't no falling out of love. You say you was in love when you got to the altar. How can you fall out of love with somebody? Because you never was in love. You in lust. You want to hit the sheets. Once you hit the sheets a couple of times, now you want to throw them out of the sheets. It ain't good enough because you ain't sold all your oats. So now you're out sowing oats everywhere. See, God done changed on you right now. Somebody needed that. Sowing oats and forgetting where you're dropping them off at. Then they're popping up looking like you, talking like you, walking like you. And then you're lying to your wife, your saved, sanctified self. It ain't mine. Look just like you, talk just like you, and act just like you. But God is still a merciful God. He's still a forgiving God. He still loves you in your mess. And he's still with you in your mess. But one thing he don't tolerate is sin. How do I know? I don't know if y'all got the same Bible I got. But God hates sin. And there's seven apostles. That's an abomination unto the Lord. Go to Proverbs, the sixth chapter. It'll tell you that he hates sin so much. He said, wait a minute. Ain't a person on earth that can deal with what I hate. He said, so evangelist, I got to come off my throne. I got to die for this world to come out of something that I don't want them to. Oh, come on. Don't he love you? He said, it ain't a person that can fulfill this except me. So I'm going to come off my throne and I'm going to come down here and I'm going to die for the whole world. He had no respectable person. He said he reigned on the just as well as the unjust. He made a way for Hitler. He made a way for Muhammad. He made a way for everybody in the world because the Bible say for God so loved, so dearly prized the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever Believe on him shall not perish, but have ever. That was the only thing we had to do was believe on him to have everlasting life, to have the kingdom and what the kingdom brings. So Jesus was passionate, y'all, about what he was doing for his father here on earth. And God was telling me, he said, my people have lost their passion. They have lost their devotion towards me. They're looking at the things of God just like they're just things. They come into the house of God just to say, I'm here, and that's it. People are losing the zeal and the passion for God and the devotion for the things of God because they're letting anything in the house of God. They're letting the world come in, still do worldly dances. See, the world is confused, people. They're confused when it comes to the saints because they can't determine Who's the saint and who's the sinner? Because the saint is compromising with the sinners and joining in what the sinners is doing and saying God said it. How can God say 
I believe as I do it, I'm going to sign on with this record label and they're part of the world. But this is what God is telling me to do to reach the world. God don't need the world to reach nobody. If he needed the world, the son wouldn't have died. I'm just here because I'm setting an example. No, you're making a fool of yourself. Because that's not what God does. If he send you in a club, the club going to be empty. He ain't sending you in no club for you to go up to the little counter, get you a drink, and sit there and say, God is good, isn't he? Who's talking? God or what you drinking? God want to save you today. He want to bring you out of darkness into the light. And he sent me in here today to fellowship with you. That's why I got this drink. I want you to know I ain't a bit uh, different from you. God loves us all the same. He said we can drink a little bit every now and then. So I'm just here to share with you, Jesus, and let you know it's all right. That the church, you know, they, they love you. Did the church really love you? Hey, give them a drink too. It's on me. Then people follow you. Into the house you come out of. And they're saying, wow, if I can still be this way and do what I'm doing, I get saved. Because if salvation is about me living the life I'm still living, hey, I'll get saved too. See, this is why you have mega churches. Because <laughs> you got a mega mess. See, some pastors just want your money. They ain't caring for your soul. The more packed they get, it's okay. They'll let any and everybody come in and teach you any and everything long as the money is coming in. See, I ain't about the money, y'all. I'm about the souls. I'm about what God is telling us that we should be bringing. The good news. The gospel about what his son does. And when you get that passion and that devotion... For what God is doing and what he's done, you don't mind giving up anything. Your money, the life you're living, everything you got, you realize it don't belong to me. Because I belong to him. And everything that he tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to worry about what my family say or nobody say. This is what God has told me to do. So this is why it said that the zeal for God's house had eaten him up. The passion, the devotion that he had for God's house, this is what happened. It came in and overwhelmed Jesus. And it overwhelmed him to a point he was cleaning house. Because he said, I'm too passionate for my father to be in the midst of a place that's supposed to be my father's house and allow this to go on. He said, I will not allow this to go on. So Jesus stood for what he knew was right because he'd been with the father. How many of us have really been with the Father to go into a place knowing that that place is out of order and sit there? Ain't no way you can sit there. I have been in places, y'all, this is no lie. I wasn't grieved for the body. I was crying out for what was going on. The body gone, the body dead. But people in the church, I'm looking around and I'm saying, come on now, this is the house of God. You got people that's living any kind of way 
doing anything they want to do in the house of God. And everybody's amen into that mess. Amen meaning it is so. I'm not amen into that. I'm not clapping not one hand because right now I just want to cry. And y'all think I'm crying over a dead body. No, right now I just want to get up and leave. Because how can you do my God that way? How can you sit up here and preach and knowing that the whole house is about toe up and people need Jesus and you getting, you want to get accolades and let people holler back at you. And you know when these people ain't right. You see their lifestyle. You know what you want? You want them to go to hell. That's all I know. Because when people don't stand up for what's right and they see people dying right in front of them, Come on, they're already spiritually dead, and you're going to try to make people come to you? To come to your church? I don't want to be a part of that foolishness. Churches got so bad, now they'll find a wino if they need a piano player. They'll sit a wino over there playing the keyboard just to get some hallelujahs and bring people in the house, and everybody's up. As long as somebody got a voice and can say Jesus, they'll put them on the choir. Save folk. The ones that say they know Jesus. They'll put a drunk man as a deacon to get the money. Put him on the board. And we sit. And we're amongst that mess. And then come out, darling, and tell people what a good time we had. We had a good time in church today. But the churches that really love God, (laughs) nobody ain't talking about them. Nobody ain't telling what they're getting out of them. But you tell them about the ones that's clubbing right in the house of God. Didn't they sing today? Didn't they throw down up in there today? Girl, we had a good time. What was the word? What word did you hear today? Nobody can tell you. Did change come to you today? Are you ready to lay it down for Christ? See, because when you hear a good word and you're tasting and knowing how good the food is, it's hitting you, not your neighbor. You ain't worrying about your neighbor no more. You saying, God, woe is me. You ready to fall on your knees right there before God and say, God, you talking to me through her. God, that's what I need today. God, that's what I want today. God, I want change. I'm tired of trying to fake it to make it. I'm tired of trying to be saved on Sunday and living like a heathen on Monday. God, I'm ready for change because I can't do this no more myself. Because I heard the good news today. You told me it wasn't about me. It was all about what you've done for me. So, God, I'm setting me aside today. Here I am, Lord. I need you more than I need anyone or anybody and when you know that you really need him y'all you ain't worrying about husband no more you ain't worrying about wife you ain't worrying about children you ain't worrying about boyfriend or girlfriend mother father sister you ain't worrying about nobody you saying God is me that's when you know you are ready for change because you see in yourself you ain't seeing nobody else no more because you heard Good news. You heard the word 
of God. God, I'm telling you, God is moving in this place. He's moving because he needs the ones that's going to stand up for what's right. See, this is why people don't like me. Because I'm going to stand up for my God because he done too much for me. Y'all got to understand when I felt like I was losing my mind, ain't no man helped me get it back. But God, when I felt like I was by myself, when I felt like I didn't have money in my pocket, nobody helped me but God. And you think I'm not going to stand up for the man that stood up for me even when I wasn't worth it? You think I'm going to deny my God just for you to be friends with me? Oh, my Lord Jesus. Do you think I want friends more than I want Jesus? You got to get to a place that you're saying it don't matter. Outside of him, nothing matters. People ain't got to that place. They ain't got to that place. Because let me tell you something. You ain't going to be around me disrespecting the God that's in me. You ain't going to be around me smoking and a cussing and a drinking and doing everything else around me like I don't serve a mighty God. You want to respect the God that's in me because I'm going to let you know what God done for me. That's not acceptable. God didn't create your body for pollution. If you accepted him, that's his temple. And his temple don't accept all of that no more. Because he cleaned you up, y'all. He couldn't even come into you until you was clean. Until you were set apart. And that was the work of the Holy Ghost. He set you apart. He sanctified you so he can live on the inside of you. He said, I cannot live in an unclean temple. Why do y'all think in the tabernacle was things that they had to do to get to God? They couldn't come to him any kind of way. They couldn't bring him a messed up offering. They couldn't just give him anything. He said, I want you to see how holy I am. I want you to have such a passion for me. Priests, when they come to that door and that sheep ain't right, they don't come through the gate. Ooh. I'm going to say this. Look at your neighbor and say, how did you get up in here? Say, how did you get up in here? You know how you got up in here? Because God found you worthy enough to bring you in here to give you this word today. Come on, give me some glory. This is what's happening, y'all. We have to realize that it was no good that we done. See, some of us are still trying to do good to get in. I don't care your good works ain't going to take you to heaven. I don't care how much you show up in church. I don't care how much you pay your tithes. I don't care how much you visit the prisons, the nursing homes, and doing all of this good work is not going to get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is a changed heart. It's a pure heart. Guess what, y'all? I ain't even started my message. Jesus, Lord, I thank you. I still got more because God got more through the word of God because God want his people to know that your passion and your devotion 
got to be more for me than it is for the world. We have a passion when it comes to our jobs. We have a passion when it comes to our relationships. We have a passion when it comes to how we look or how people supposed to perceive us. We have that passion and devotion. Come on, women. Some of us spend time in the mirror making sure the hair right, making sure the smile's right, the makeup is right, the nails right, making sure the body look good, trying to get back to that shape that you think you could but didn't. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, we try to do all of these things. We, we, we have a passion for it. We have a desire for it. We, we get so passionate about it that we even change other people's mind on what they need to do to lose weight or what they need to do to get more money because we get that passion and we talk about it so well that people say, how can I be a part of that? Come on, even dealing with scratch-offs. People talk about how much they won and what they did and how they did it. They get so passionate about gambling and what it's going to bring in my house and what I got through scratching off. And you get so passionate about it that you're sharing it with people. And even the same folks sneak up there and, or say, hey, 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 they're going off. Can you get me one of them scratch off tickets? Now, it's mine now, but I'm sending you because you know who I am. But when I, when I hit, because I believe I'm going to hit, because I believe the Spirit told me something. Now, I believe it told me. So I'm going to send you up there, and I want you to get me one of them little scratch-offs now. Now, when you get it, run quickly to my house. And when you come to my house, now, three times. And I'm going to know it's you, baby. And we're going to look out for that winning hit. When it hit, come back. Now, three more times. And I'm going to slip the envelope under the door. All right? (laughs) Nobody know about it. I'm passionate about that thing. And guess what? Because I'm so passionate, for me, your spirit allowed me to hit the vandals. Hit the first time, no, I can hit the second. Then I say, I can't use you no more. You too greedy. You want too much of my money. See, we we get passionate about things and we sit there and try to figure them out. Man's way of doing it. Man's way of getting it worked out. So nobody won't know this is what I'm doing and and how I'm doing. Do y'all know? Let me give you a scripture. Go with me to Isaiah, the fifth chapter. God said this back in Isaiah day, but it's in the Bible today. And he didn't take it out of mine, so I don't believe he took it out of yours. So let me tell you what my Bible is saying, just in case yours is marked out. In Isaiah chapter 5, listen at this right here. Verse 12. And the harp and the vowel and the tabret and the pipes and the wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hand. This is what Israel was doing. Israel began to get out of the way of the Lord, right? They began to do things that they should not have been doing. God said they become, uh, what you call them, wild grapes. <laughs> you know, they, they were God's um, good fruit, but they came wild grapes. But this is the part I want you to get. Listen at verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of scrimp to mingle strong drink, which justify, listen at this, the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. This is happening right in the church. We're saying evil is good and good is evil. And we're seeing it happen in front of us. And I'm going to hit you with one. This is a simple one. If you got out against your brother, go to your brother. If you read that in your Bible, I don't think it took it out of your Bible because it's still in mine. Not unless you got a version that omits the word. But when we got a passion and a devotion for God, we do what his word says. That means if the word tell me if I got art with a brother or sister, I go to the brother or sister I have art with. And I don't go outside of what he's saying. Because I have a passion and a devotion to do what his word tell me to do. That I don't skip over it because of who it is. I don't skip over it because of how I feel. Salvation is not about a feeling. It's about doing the will of God. Because when you accepted him, you're saying, Lord, thy will be done. That's what Jesus did. Even when he was getting ready to die, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but let thy will be done. Because he wanted to fulfill the will of the father. Meaning, you know what? I lay my life down. Nobody don't have to make me do it. Because the desire and the passion and the devotion that I have for you, I know that you know what's right for me. That's what it takes. Then God began to show me something, y'all. Go to Nehemiah, the 13th chapter. Y'all remember Nehemiah, right? When the gates were... The wall of the city was tore down and Nehemiah had a passion and he had a desire for the things of God. And he saw that the people of God was in danger. And being that they were in danger, he began to pray unto the Lord because he wanted to be a help unto God's people. See, that's a passion. That's a desire. You need a leader that has a passion. That, that has a desire for the things of God, that devote their life unto God and not unto man, that's ready to do what God wants and not what man wants. Now, Nehemiah had a job. He was there for the king, and he had to be a wine taster to make sure that there was no poison in the wine. So he had a position. So he didn't deny this position, but he went to God, and God knew his heart. And by God knowing his heart, God allowed him to leave that position by changing the king's heart to go and help God's people. Because he knew, and this is what I want you to know, once you get saved, All of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. It ain't, I don't like you, but I like that brother. I don't like you, sister, but I like that sister. It's nothing like that. We all one in Christ. We're there to help each other. So this is what Nehemiah was doing, y'all. So they got the wall built, but in the midst of building that wall, they had enemies that was coming against the work of the Lord to stop the wall from being built because the enemy knew if that wall get built, I'm not going to have access to come in no more. And see, this is how it is with us, y'all. When we leave doors open due to sin, 
The enemy have access to come into our house. He have access. You know who gave him permission? We gave him permission. This is why when God done away with sin, he said, now I'm, I'm dealing with sin. So sin don't have to deal with you. So you don't have to be controlled by that sinful nature. So I'm going to deal with it. Your past, present, and future sins, I'm going to deal with it through my son. Being that you know I have dealt with it, then it's up to you to not let sin reign. To not let sin have dominion over you. To not have sin to have a right over, over you. Whom you yield your members to, according to Romans 6, that's whom you're going to serve. That's whom you're going to obey. So Nehemiah, they got the wall up. But in the process of getting it up, the enemy was coming in. But Nehemiah knew the tricks of the enemy. How did he know? Because I believe that God was letting Nehemiah know what was going on so he would not go into things being unaware. So Nehemiah, they wanted him to come out to them and stop the work of the Lord. See, when you have a passion and a devotion to the things of God, you're going to stay focused on what God is telling you to do. You're not going to let anybody, I don't care who it is, take your focus off of what God has called you to do. So Nehemiah said, this is a great work. That the Lord has given me to do, so why should I come down to you? So Nehemiah knew, I'm not going to put off, I'm going somewhere, the work of the Lord to come out to what the world want me to do. This is what the church does. When God give you something to do, and it's God that's, that's giving it to the leader, giving it to the one that um, he can trust with the work that he has given him to do. Then God have people to help that leader to carry out that work. Amen. 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 So he give the leader the assignment and then he let that leader know who can help them fulfill that work. So he gave it to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, you know, everybody took their post and they began to build that wall. They had to come together, right? The leader did not come down to the world. So if the leader don't come down to the world, the one that God sent to lead you, then ask your neighbor, why are you coming down? If you up under a leader that's compassionate, a leader that's devoted, a leader that honors the Lord, that want to do what the Lord called them to do, then ask your neighbor why you get slack in what you're doing. Don't want to come to church. Show up just to say I'm here. Help me, Holy Ghost. Just to say I parked and put my butt in a seat. But ain't got no passion, ain't got no zeal for the house of God. You might as well not be here. Nehemiah didn't come down. He was willing to do what God told him to do. Y'all, they even sent a prophet that Nehemiah knew to tell him, come out. Let's talk about it. Nehemiah said, though you got a title, don't mean I'm bowing down to you. That ain't what God said. See, he knew God above what that prophet, lying prophet, trying to set him up. Some of y'all, I'm going to say it like Rick said, are being sought up. Because everything that have profit in front of their name, you act like you're supposed to do what they tell you to do. And if it ain't lining up with God, what God says, the pattern of God, you don't do it. Because they operate under familiar spirit just to get you from under the covering that you under to take you out of place to do what they want you to do. Come on now, some of you done spent time with a prophet this week. So look, 
Nehemiah didn't come down. So they got the wall built, y'all. In spite of all that the enemy wanted to do, Nehemiah was focused. But Apostle in 13, Nehemiah had to go back to his duties. Nehemiah stayed a long time away from Jerusalem. But Nehemiah was called back to Jerusalem. So Nehemiah go back to Jerusalem, y'all. I want y'all to check this out. There was a priest named Elisha, Elisha, and he was the priest and he was over the chamber of God. This dude went to Tobiah that Nehemiah, that was coming against Nehemiah, he had the audacity, this priest, to take the enemy and put him in the chamber of God. Took out everything that God told them to put in that chamber to take care of the Levites. And they put an enemy, he put an enemy in that room and gave him whatever he needed. Because guess what? He was a relative. See, we let the enemy in our house because we know folk or say we know folk. But the enemy come in there to steal, kill, and destroy. Everybody that you think is, ain't. I don't care how saved they are, and I don't care how much they quote the word. The devil quoted the word. He just twisted it. And if you ain't in the Bible to get revelation and to get knowledge and understanding, then you'll be twisted too. So he let him in the house, y'all. Let him in the house. Levites, the ones that supposed to have been taken care of, the ones that was taking care of the temple. See, a Levite, y'all, was stationed in that temple, so they had to take care of the Levites. They had to take care of them. They had to give them what they needed, so that, that was their place. They were always in that temple. They ran them out the temple because they didn't have provision for them, so they had to go work instead of taking care of the house of God. Oh, my goodness. Nehemiah come in town, the one that had the passion, the devotion for God. And he saw Tobiah in that chamber that was not meant for Tobiah, but was meant for the oils and the wines and everything that's supposed to have been set up for the Levites. The Levites had to go out and earn a living because they allowed the enemy to come in and take the spot of the Levites. And it was the pattern that God put in place. Not man, but God put it in place. So Nehemiah come in there and threw Tobiah out of that chamber. All right, Nehemiah. You know, when I started out in ministry, every time I went somebody somewhere, they say, you a Nehemiah. I say, who in the world is a Nehemiah? Every time I turn around, you calling me Nehemiah. I'm a woman. I ain't no man. Who in the world is Nehemiah? Y'all, when I start reading about Nehemiah, I'm like, oh, I got traits of Nehemiah, Jesus. Throw him out the house. He come in there. He threw Tobiah out. He cleaned the chamber. And he began to clean that apostle. He didn't just throw him out. But he set it up, Shirley, the way God wanted it set up. And he began to put people in place the way God wanted to put them in place. And the thing was, the people knew the law. They said, do not let people sell stuff on the Sabbath. Do not change the order of God. All of that was written for them. Nehemiah come in there and set it back in order. And then he come look, and there they are selling <laughs> right near the temple. He took care of that. He said, you know you don't supposed to be on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is a day of rest. And you up in here trying to sell something. And I think it's in there where they say he pulled them by the hair. 
He snatched them both. I think some of y'all still got some hair. Except Dion back there. I ain't had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. This is why Nehemiah came in and did what he did, y'all, because he had a passion. He had a devotion for God. He had a zeal for God. He didn't allow things to happen in the house of God out of the way that God wanted it to be. The church is tore up. People have let in so much of the world come in the church. People cannot determine what's right and what's wrong. They cannot determine what the word is saying. If, if, is this God or is this not God? Because people have a certain way of presenting the word now. It's a certain way that you have to hype the people up. So pastors get trained to hype you. They get to a certain part of the sermon. They'll start out like this. Itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. They start out real low. And this is what the word says. But then they have a part in there on that paper where it's time for the hype. So they start out slow. Then all of a sudden, my help getting ready to come in. And they began to hype it up a little bit. And they began to get loud with it. Can I tell you something? Stuff that's rehearsed over and over and over again, it seemed like it get better and better every time they preach the same thing. Because if you done preached it for 20 years... You done got it instilled in you to already know where the hype is. So you're going to hype. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Then they're going to go again. Then they're going to tell you where to hit the music. Now, on this part here, keep my music now. People got to have the music to stay in tune with the Holy Ghost. And people in the church fall for it. Because they unlearned. Because they don't, haven't been taught. So they think this is how church supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to go. You're supposed to say, well. What, what, what other thing is it? Miracle temper. Huh? Huh? See? See, some people know it. Some people know it. Then when you get in, in the midst of the crowd, it come back to you and you just join right on in. Because you ain't got renewed enough to let it go. Because that's how you think it's supposed to be. When he start hyping, you start hyping. When he sit, you sit. Then he start up again and then you up again. Then you're going crazy in the church. Well, what did he preach on? I don't know. Go ask him for his notes and maybe you find out. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that you depend on when you're teaching. He brings all things back to your remembrance that you need to know. And see, the passion that we have ain't for God, it's for the preacher. Because we bring people for the preacher, not for God. But you got to know that God is on the inside of that preacher. And you got to know that because of the one that God sent, 
it has helped you come out of your stuff so you want somebody else to come out of theirs so you have such a passion with the teachings that you're getting that when you begin to talk about it Julia said where do you go you ain't even told them where you went you'll see me Sunday look at your neighbor say what happened to your zeal where did you lose it at when I stopped being here when did you stop being here sitting in the seat some people blame it on the preacher it ain't like it used to be church just ain't the same no it ain't the church is you because if you ain't in your word don't show up for bible study hitting and missing church no it ain't gonna be the same Because you ain't going to get what everybody else is getting because you cannot receive it because you ain't here. So when you do show up, everybody else is having a burning and a desire for what the Lord is doing. And you sitting there looking around like everybody is crazy and been here for 20 years. Why I ain't falling out. I ain't got that feeling. Why everybody acting like that up in here? Because the more you get in the word, you're going to get a zeal. You're going to be compassionate, passionate, devoted to the things of God. You cannot hit and miss this word and think you're going to have change. You have to get in there every day. And this is what Colossians say, y'all. This is in the book of Colossians. I like this scripture. When it says this, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. You're going to do it. That's Colossians 3 and that's verse 23. So whatever we do, we do it unto God and not unto man. If you're coming in the house of God to please me or anybody else, you're coming for the wrong reason. Everything that you do is supposed to be done unto God and not unto man. That's why you need to know who you up under. If they don't have a passion, if they don't have a zeal, if they don't have a burning on the inside of them for the things of God, then guess what? Nobody else is going to have it. But if they got it and the congregation don't have it, then it ain't the pastor. It's the congregation not grabbing hold to what the pastor is bringing. Because I'm going to tell you something. When I hear a good word, my baby is leaping. Because I done been in the word. I done tasted and I done saw how good the word was. So I just can't just sit there any kind of way. I got stuff going on and I'm just, mm, I'm just, mm, mm-hmm. Just raising my hand and, and I'm not going to get out of order where the word can't be heard. But people are going to know where I've been. They're going to know that I have tasted that word. That that word is good because you can see the smile on people's face. And you can hear them say, that's it. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Preach. Yeah, say it. Some people say preach, but they want you to hush. But whatever we do, y'all, in the house of God, there's supposed to be a passion for it. How do you know that people are passionate for the things of God? They show up. You don't have to tell them to be here. Because they're always listening for something that need to be mm, done. When the announcements come and something is going on in the church, you will see them writing it down. 
I want to be a part of what God is doing. I don't want to miss that move of God because you got a passion to say, whatever God is doing, I want to be a part of it. Whether it's little, whether it's small, I want to be a part of it because I want to do his will. No matter who he has assigned to do it, I know they have that passion because I have watched them. So I want to be a part of what you're doing because I know God is in it because it shows up with the spirit of excellency. So you don't have to tell nobody. You don't have to remind nobody because they ain't lost that zeal. I spend more time chasing church folks than I do my dog. And that poodle can move. But there's a time in a person's life when you can say something and they'll stand still. And they'll hear what's being said. They'll take the instructions and they'll keep it moving. Since Mr. Dion Lee come in here, I have to use him for illustration. Everybody know Dion Lee? He's a bondsman. Everybody know when to call Dion Lee? If they don't know Dion, you finna get some more business. They know when to call Dion Lee. His name became famous. But before his name became famous and he just started out, nobody didn't know Dion like that. But as Dion got into his business and he was showing a passion, he was showing a devotion to what he was doing and people began to notice him in the crowd. Even though there were other bondsmen, they began to watch Dion. They began to watch how he carried out things and he didn't do it any kind of way. He done it according to the way that it needed to be done. And when he told you something, he meant what he said and he honored what he said. So they said, that's the bondsman that I want because he had a passion for it. So people wanted to connect with him. Every time you turn around, why you call me? Because I watch you. I see how you do things and I see how you want to help people. I see how you encourage people that you, you go outside of your way to help people. Other people ain't like that. Most of them is just about the money, but you got some compassion about you that's deep within. So I want to use you in this because they saw his passion. They saw his desire. But what if it get to the point that Dion say, this ain't for me no more. I'm tired. I don't want to do it no more. And he don't answer his phone. They don't see him like he used to be. Then he's getting ready to lose some business. Because that desire is gone. That eagerness to do that type work is gone. So nobody don't want that no more. So what am I saying to the church? First things is first. When you get saved, you need to develop your relationship with the Lord. Developing that relationship means you keep that fire burning. You don't let that fire go out. You don't let people slip up on you and take you away from your first love. Some of us have been taken away from our first love with relationships, with money, with material stuff, and maybe other things. But we've been taken away from him because some of us don't want to be alone no more. We feel like we need something else to complete us. See, this is where we miss it. The Bible tells us that we complete in him. We have everything we need in him. So if you're out looking for something else, then you need to go back into your word and spend more time with him. So you'll quit looking for other things outside of him. And this is what the spirit of the Lord is saying to you today. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. You don't know me. 
because you're still trying to do things yourself. You're still trying to work it out yourself. Because, see, when you trust him, you're not looking to someone else. You're looking to him who's the author and finisher of your faith. So when you have a zeal for him, there's a trust that you have for him and him alone that even my husband can't fulfill that trust. Because I know he's man. And the Bible lets me know that man will fail me. I don't care how much he say he loved me. He's going to fail me in some kind of way that he cannot fit the bill that God fits in my life. Because God can tell me something and he ain't going to change it. He can tell me something and something in his life will change that he cannot fit the bill, y'all. So I have to distinguish man from God. You ain't God. So you're going to fail me sometime. I may fail him sometime, but God will never fail us. So we have to go back to him and say, God, I got off course. I expected my husband to do something he couldn't really do. You have to be the one to do that in my life. Because if he tell me yes, I'm going to look for that yes. But when that yes don't come, if I ain't in, in, in God, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to say, this is what you told me. Now, you better get out there and do what you told me you were going to do. You told me you were going to get me that Louis. I ain't seen Louis, and I've been waiting on Louis. You told me for my birthday I gave you a year to get Louis. You should have been done cut these many yards to get me Louis. Didn't we make plans for Louis, and I ain't seen Louis yet? What happened to Louis? Well, man, that's why they call me. Well, man. You know things pop up. That ain't that. You're supposed to push them things aside. Well, Amanda, we had to pay the... Ah. Y'all know I ain't like that. But I'm using that to say, when we tell man to do something, we have that expectancy. We don't look for man to fail us. Are you in your word? The Bible say put no what? Or confidence in man. And what do we go do, darling? Put it in there. This is what you said. You said you was going to get me off death row. Why am I getting a lethal injection? <laughs> you said everything was worked out. I paid you all this money and I'm going to die. Well, it's one thing I can offer you that you have forever, eternal life. How about that? <laughs> you will live forever, but it won't be here. <laughs> That's what they should have offered them in the beginning. Well, I'm just going to give you something that you're going to have from here on out. <laughs> So we need to be up front with people, y'all. We need to let them know I'm not God. But to have that passion, that desire for God, you got to get into the word of God. You got to develop your relationship with God and whatever he tells you to do, you're going to do it outside of how you feel, y'all. You're going to do it because you know the one that God is speaking to to tell you to do it. Y'all, y'all don't get it. If y'all been here for the pattern, of the church, dealing with the order of the church, you will understand that God put people over you. He put people over you that's in authority over you and you're supposed to submit to that authority because that authority submits to God and as they submit to God, you submit to them because you trust to God in them because you have developed a relationship with them to know that they're not going to lead you astray. So if you in this church, if you don't know my relationship with God by now, something is off with you. 
And you need to check your salvation because if you are in the word of God, whatever God tell me to do and I tell you, you're supposed to have a passion. You're supposed to have a zeal for it. You're supposed to be going out and say, God, I hear what you're saying, not what apostle was saying, but God, I hear what you're saying and I'm willing and I'm ready to do it outside of my money, outside of how I feel, outside of what I have. God, I'm ready to supply into that. Look at your neighbor say, what's up? Whatever the Lord say do, we do it. But we do it with what? The right heart. So going into your word, spending time with God outside of spending more time with the world, this is why our passion and our zeal is gone. We're spending too much time with what the world is doing and trying to have what the world have and not realizing what we already have. So when we do that, we lose that zeal. We lose that passion for God. Whomever you spend more time with, that's who your God is. That's who you look up to. That's who you try to please. I'm going to tell you about this man, and I'm getting ready to close, not lest the Holy Spirit check me with something else. I know some people said, I ain't know it was going to be that long. Yeah, it's that long you come up in here. <laughs> Because I want to make sure you get it. 2 Kings, the 10th chapter. This is dealing with Jehu. And Jehu had instructions from God to kill off all of Ahab people, his sons and everything. God gave him a word, apostle. And Jehu was so devoted and so passionate to kill. Because that's what God told him to do because it was outside of the will of God. And y'all, he was on a mission for God. And I want y'all to listen at what Jehu, he said this to this man that he had met. He asked this man in verse 15, he said, I can't pronounce his name. He said, um, he was coming to meet him. He saluted him and he said, is thine heart right as my heart is with thine heart? So meaning what he was trying to say, he, he was saying our we together, are we on one accord? Are we hooked up? Like, believe in the same thing. Is your heart where my heart is? And he said, yeah, my heart is where your heart is. He said, come on up in my chariot. We're inviting too many people in stuff that their heart ain't where your heart is. And they're going to mess you up. Because their heart is not passionate. Their heart is not going after the same thing that you're going after, but Jehu made sure, is your heart right like my heart? Are we companions? Are we together? He said, yes. He said, get in my chariot. This is the funny thing. You know what Jehu had a nerve to tell him in verse 16? He said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. <laughs> he was getting ready to kill them people. <laughs> come and see my passion, my devotion for the Lord. He was getting ready to slaughter the rest of them people. And guess what happened after that, y'all? It said, and when he came to Samaria, he slew all the remain unto Ahab in Samaria till he had destroyed him according to the saying of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. He had such a passion to do what God told him to do, even in killing off the enemy. He said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Y'all, where's the zeal? Where's the devotion? The Lord began to tell me that this is how the message came. And I brought this message before in this house. The zeal of God have left the house of God 
because we allowed the world to come in. There go your answer. We put God aside for what we want to do and how we want to do it. So whatever is going on in the church, in the church that God has set you in, it don't matter outside of what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. So I can't do what you're doing. How can you be in a house and not support that house? Because God gave you the answer. You're just visiting. You, you say you're a part, but you're just a visitor. Because you just drop in and you drop out. And some people say, I want to be a part of that. But when you want to be a part of something and you have a passion for it, nobody don't have to keep asking you. Nobody don't have to keep reminding you because nobody remind you to go to the bathroom. Nobody remind you to eat. Nobody remind you to go to work. Nobody remind you to go to sleep. Nobody remind you of those things, right? But when it comes to the house of God, for some reason, people get amnesia. I didn't hear that. When did that happen? Why didn't somebody tell me? The enemy wants you to forget. Because he knows that the work that's being done up in here is a good work. And Apostle Amanda ain't coming down. This is why I hear some people say, and my granddaddy always said this, if I don't have a friend in this world, I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. And y'all, I'm a living witness. I have lost friends, people in the family. And sometimes I felt like I was wrecked by myself. But I didn't give up. I didn't lose hope because I said, God, you called me to this. And if I worry about what people doing or what they won't do, I won't finish what you called me to do. And I refuse to let anybody take me off track from what God called me to do. Because he reminded me, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Because if you doing what I tell you to do, you're going to be hated. The world ain't going to see what you see because they're in the world. The world ain't going to have the passion that you have and the devotion that you have because they're in the world. He said, but when they come out of the world, it's supposed to change. Change need to happen in the church. Change. How can you go out there amongst them and you're being just like them? And you're not turning aside what you're doing. People don't want to even let go of Facebook. Every time I mention Facebook, it's just like daggers come up here hit me. Because Christians love it so much. They spend more time on Facebook than they spend in the word of God. And some people say, no, I don't. Well, if you did spend more time in the word of God, Facebook be shut down. You wouldn't have a desire or passion for it no more. You wouldn't forget what your password is. Because you ain't been up there so long. People can close their eyes and type it in. And never learn how to type before. Close their eyes and know how to open up Facebook quick, fast, and in a hurry. And you wonder why you're going through in your life. Because you're letting the world in. You can be on time for Facebook for live, but you can't be on time for service. Anybody want to know what's going on in the world and you think you missed something, tune into Facebook. It'll tell you everything that's happening. Tell you where people at, tell you what they're doing, tell you how they're doing it because they want you to know. But have something that's 
uplifting the name of Jesus. Nobody want to promote it. Come on, I, I'm, I'm just who I am. I don't have to use the pulpit, y'all, because this is who I am. This is what I bring all the time. So if you take an offense, something wrong. Because the word is the word. Ain't no point of you taking offense. Ain't no point of you rising up like a python. No, a cobra. That's what I saw. Fangs come out and you ready to spit. Go ahead. No weapon. Formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Thus says the Lord. I put the thus in there. So in case some of y'all got KJV, thus says the Lord. God has brought a word in this house. And he brought this word because, saints, the house is out of order. We put in things before we put in God. And those things didn't save you. Those things didn't deliver you. If you allow folk to keep you from your spiritual food, there's a problem. Because God's supposed to be first and foremost. Because anything that happened in your life, the one that you can go to and trust is God because he's your answer. We don't put nothing before God because after a while, all that's going to pass away. But he said his word shall stand forever. It's time to let go, y'all, and let God have his way right now in your life because, y'all, the end is approaching. People love for God is going wax cold. You got singers out there right now hooking up with secular artists. And people are saying, Christians, that it's okay. And that's what God is. And you know what? They put it on Facebook for you to see it, to agree with it. And everybody put their little comment, Christians. And it's wrong. Sin is sin, y'all. If God wanted you to hook up with the world, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. You could have hooked up without Jesus. He said that you can't serve two masters. Quit trying to justify what you're doing. To make it right, he done away with sin. So we can live, y'all. So we can have that life he want us to have. And you're not going to be able to have it until you lay down everything you put before him. Y'all, it's not about us. It's all about him. And my desire, y'all, is for the church to have that zeal and have that passion. That is nothing that God tell us to do that shall not, will not be accomplished. And God is saying in order to get to that, you have to lay your life down. You have to truly say, God, I want you more than I want anything or anybody. And when you do say it with your whole heart, y'all, you feel this warmth. You feel the presence of the Lord coming upon you. You know, y'all, I have got slapped around, knocked around because people say you just too holy. Ain't nobody that perfect. I am in my spirit. And when I connect with this word, spirit, soul, and body become complete. Because the word makes me complete in him. So when I'm saying this is wrong, don't be going out behind my back trying to justify still what you're doing. Well, God loves everybody. You can't change everybody. (laughs) 
No, but you can change the ones that want to be changed and the ones that don't want to be changed. God say, be ye separate. Because if they ain't changed by now and you the one to say, evidently you done turned over. Because ain't no way you can stay with somebody that long and they still disrespecting your God. Come on, somebody. Ain't no man going to stay with a woman but so long if they don't tighten. Well, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Ahab does. Yes, he does. So this is what I'm saying. It's time for change in the church. God worked from inside out, not outside in. So it's up to the church, the one that God has sanctified, set apart, justified to make the difference. It's time for the church to stand up. For what's right and quit trying to justify people around you that's doing wrong just to keep friendship, just to keep family. Don't you know everybody walked away from Jesus because of who he was in God? They left him alone. Even some of his brothers, y'all, they wouldn't follow Jesus no more because Jesus was always standing for what's right. I have learned that when I tell you what the word's saying, you're not receiving, I don't mess with you no more. I ain't going to beat you over the head with the word. I done presented what God said. Why am I going to sit there and debate with you? The word is what it is. It don't change. So if you getting mad, that's just you getting mad. I'm going on and living my life. I ain't going to worry about whether or not you're going to talk to me. Because I delivered the message God told me to deliver. What's wrong with these saints? It's time to be who you say you are. Take off the mask. When you see something and you on Facebook and it ain't right, you speak up and you're going to see your friend list to be depleted. You're going to see who really stand. How you going to know who's really standing if you don't never open your mouth? Because you're worried about your status. You're worried about somebody hurting your feelings. It ain't about your feelings. It's about saving souls through the good news. So we need to use these sites, Instagram and all of this stuff. We need to use it for Jesus. Come on, y'all. We can change the world through Facebook. How many friends do you have on Facebook? When you reach them, they're going to reach others. And then it's going to keep flowing. It's going to go through the nations. We can't even take a, a flyer and pass it on through our friends to let them know what's happening in the church. Because we're afraid we're going to lose friends because they know what church we go to. Did y'all hear a penny drop? Yeah, you're afraid. People don't want people to know I'm part of Miracle Temple. Because when soon as you say that, oh, it's on now. And you don't even know what to say. Don't know what to say. Just cut your little conversation off because you want to still be friends with Dr. Tulu. It's time to get it right, people. God didn't bring this message in here for no reason. If you're going to be for God, be for God. But let's quit faking it to make it. Deliverance has already been in the house. We don't even need an altar call. Because God already know. You already know. And it's time for change. God bought the message. Whatever you choose to do with it, that's your business. But I know my passion, my desire, my zeal for God is not going to change because of people. Because he called me to this. And whatever he called me to do, he's going to give me what I need to do it. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise.
Isn't God a good God? Isn't he worthy and worthy to be praised? Come on, let's give a shout out for Jesus. Come on, let's give a shout out for Jesus. Hallelujah. God is a good God. I want to tell y'all this, and we're going to, can the ones with the announcements come on up, and after we have the announcements, we're going to have the um, tithes and offerings. After that, we will have our dismissal, our blessing. I want to say this, something that I enjoyed that we did for Hardcore. Um, 